I've been thinking a lot about trajectory lately, Mm -hmm. kind of as it pertains to any number of projects that I kind of have on the docket right now. Yeah. And so I wanted to ask you, like, in in your opinion, where do you see the trajectory of this podcast landing us? Um, I don't know, like personally or like in terms of audience and professional trajectory? I guess either one. It would be helpful to, to know both. Uh, I think I see it as something that like over time becomes kind of a passport to interesting conversations and conversationalists, like the way certain podcasters are able to kind of sit down and have discussions with Nobel laureates or with authors and directors, you know, just, just the kinds of people that like, you wouldn't be able to get the time of day from them without a platform. Right. But now you've got this platform that not only allows you in the door, but allows you to really sit down and have a cool, longer-form conversation in the style that you've created. Mm-hmm. So I just see it as something that becomes more and more comfortable in those trimmings, which isn't to say that like we wouldn't keep talking to our friends and to people that we collaborate with and stuff like that, but just something if we were ever like, you know what, I want to meet that person. I want to have a conversation about X with them. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. We would have a, a vehicle, you know? Um, so I, actually, I mean, I guess that covers kind of personal and professional for me. Like, that's just something that I could see. Like, there's enough flexibility there. There's enough mm-hmm. agency there. It becomes self-perpetuating, self-financing. <laughs> that's the big yeah. thing. You know, just some of that kind of stuff starts to roll a little bit more quickly. Right. How about you? Well, I mean, I've I've thought a lot about that whole passport thing and I think I think of passport in a different way and it's probably not the right word for how I conceptualize of it but like you know the podcasts that have inspired me and like the kind of audio media where like that landscape is now and has been for the past seven or eight years Mm -hmm. what's been inspiring to me is that like it's a way for a lot of different kinds of work to all feed into each other Mm. And I think I've been realizing recently that that hasn't been the case because I haven't necessarily had the time or the resources to get all the other kinds of work done. Mm-hmm. So I think of the first like six months or, or a year that we were kind of like getting this whole thing started and I spent a ton of time, you know, just writing instrumental pieces and seeing like, well, these fit, you know, and a lot of them didn't. I have a ton of instrumentals that I just don't... <laughs> Because I write more somber stuff a lot of the time. So it's interesting, like, how much creating I did to get the scoring aspect of the podcast started. And then to look at episodes like the interview with Grant Honey, and Mm. which was all just, like, scored with the album that we were releasing at that time. And there's a juxtaposition, I think, between what we do behind the scenes to get the podcast ready as a product yeah. And then what we do to use the podcast to promote our own products slash other people's products. And I think we've hit this stride where it's mostly been other people's products and where our own art has not filtered through the thing that could help to filter it. You know what I mean? Yeah. Filter's not the right word there. But I think of a lot of things just kind of flowing through each other and flowing into each other when I think of people who are artists and creators who also have this kind of platform yeah, to kind of cross-pollinate with the other projects that they have going on. yeah, And you and I kind of both took a break from being like performers during the pandemic and everything. And I'm still not really performing all that much, but I, I have been creating again. Mm-hmm. 
and it's been a struggle trying to balance these things because the other thing I've realized is that like the podcast has become the product that I'm creating instead of the other things that I would normally be creating. Yeah. That, that would be featured on the podcast, you know? Yeah. And I feel myself sort of shifting in terms of the product that I want to focus on creating, mm. which isn't to say that I don't want to create the podcast anymore. It's to say like, I need to find like the workflow that works for me and the balance between like, here's a conversational platform that can be used for other things, but I also need to do the other things. Yeah, no, that makes sense. I mean, we had talked, I think, at one point about that in relation to like editing and mixing, right? Where like yeah. some of these things that are crucial to maintaining the integrity of the platform itself, they shouldn't be taking all the time to keep right. doing. Like, if I mean, it's like if you had like a physical platform, like a stage or something, like you don't want to spend all the time polishing it and putting extra nails into it and making it fucking sturdy. Eventually, you want to like use it and do shows right. and have people over without worrying about shit. So like it kind of makes sense that we would hit a point that some of those things would need to either become second nature or like automatic or be outsourced or whatever, like whatever form that would take. But that should absolutely kind of lose its appeal after a while. Cause yeah, cause yeah, it's, it's not the destination. I mean, I, I appreciate that. Like I have been, I was talking to you about this the other night. Like, I think a lot about user experience when it comes to putting out anything that is a publicly available product. And a podcast is exactly that. And so I think of, you know, people who do like the more DIY approach to podcasts where they kind of like, I'm going to say phone it in because, in my opinion, that's what they're doing. Yeah. Well, sometimes but, they literally are. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, in relation to what we were just saying, I think people don't think of like if they have the, that more DIY approach maybe they don't think of the podcast as the product because mm -hmm. they are making other products and giving themselves time to make other products right yeah and i have no interest in taking that kind of approach yeah because it's important to me that like the user experience of anything that i put out is a pleasant one yeah and and is easy on the ears and is concise and kind of Maybe concise and to the point isn't the best descriptor, but, you know, is like there's not a lot of fat on it. Yeah, yeah. And so I appreciate that. And I, I also know that a lot of people don't care about scoring. <laughs> but, uh, so that might just be a superfluous thing that takes up a few hours. <laughs> but, um, but there is a balance, too, because it's some of those things people don't care about when they're working. Yeah. But they care when they don't. Or at least they when they don't, it prevents them from caring about your product right and and they might not identify that as the reason why but they will be less engaged mm -hmm. like i'm noticeably like there are some podcasts that i really like that are just like the substance is awesome but i just cannot get past how poorly eq'd the audio track is yeah like it bugs me physically <laughs> and emotionally the entire time and i you know i get it like that isn't always something people can rope together and, and like make work especially if you don't have the technology or the experience or the time, like it's, it's totally forgivable in most circumstances, but there are instances where I can't, I just can't get past it. So I think that's probably more broadly applicable too, like whether it's scoring or whether it's audio quality or just the artful editing of a conversation so that there's not even a lot of ums, you know, stuff like that, like things that mm -hmm. you've said you edit for that people might hear and who haven't done that kind of stuff and say, Oh, that's insane. Like who cares if there's an um or there's a pause, but it's like, you realize it's like the idea of dead air. Like you realize 
how much some of these things weigh once you get them on mic. And that's a whole different ballgame. So there's definitely a middle ground, you know, where like we can figure out how to expedite some things where other things are just going to need to, they're going to require some love, whether that's your love or <laughs> a hired guns, you know, yeah. whatever form it takes. But I could see that kind of stuff evolving a lot for us at multiple points. I've also been thinking about growth mm. and like kind of looking at whether, like what kind of growth we've seen yeah. and I should mention here that I never look at our I don't I can't look at our numbers only you have access to that nor do I care um I was thinking of how to reduce the energy overhead mm-hmm. um so that I have more more time and space for other things as well how to 80 20 the podcast oh yeah and what I thought about asking you at the beginning of this season was can we see which episodes have gotten the best results so that I know what to do? <laughs> but I also don't want to base creative experiences on how many listens a certain episode has gotten. Yeah. What I think is a good creative decision should not necessarily be based on audience response. Yeah. Because that's so, especially with algorithms being what they are and like how to reach people is mm-hmm. increasingly difficult these days. And so audience response is not really a great metric. Like I'll, I'll, I'm more comfortable using my own ed- editorial filter to make mm. those kinds of decisions. But then thinking about 80, 20 something and like reducing the parts that don't get results. Now I don't know how to quantify results. Yeah. Except that if, if I'm creatively happy with it, then that's like the result, right? Yeah. But that doesn't, that only means that I'm spending more time than I necessarily need to on the result because making me creatively happy is difficult. <laughs> Yeah. So I'm kind of, this is where I find myself stuck. Being the one making creative decisions, being the one trying to make sure that our podcast has a reach and not being keen on social media. Mm. You know, it's difficult. And ideally, we would have one or two or more people on our team who are good at those sorts of things. And people have asked me, well, why don't you hire somebody else to do editing if you're tired of editing? And I go, because that's not the way a business works. Like the way that a business works is not you hire everyone you need to right on the spot. It's you are your own customer service center. You are your own shipping center. You are your own everything until you can't afford not to be anymore. And then you hire because you can't afford to not hire somebody. But there's a middle ground to that too. This is something um, I've talked about with Devery a lot when we've been setting up the, the embroidery company. Yeah. The last couple of years, basic stitch and embroidery coast. I'm mentioning it of my own volition. We're learning. Good for you, proud of you. But, uh, <laughs> but we we've talked a lot about that kind of stuff because I mean it's it's sort of true of any startup. And I mean this by those metrics as a startup, and it's weird because you do definitely hit all these choke points where you're like, Jesus, we don't have the manpower or the resources or the time or whatever to to do mm-hmm. whatever thing we're trying to do. And I think sometimes it can be valuable to be like, yeah, this is the type of thing where like, if we had the money, this would actually be a valid way to spend it. Sure. Because there are always going to be things you don't want to do, or there's always going to be things that are going to take a little extra time or energy or whatever. But then there are things that it's like, no, this is genuinely a time suck. Like this is an opportunity cost thing now. Right. And I can quantify it. And so I think it's worth it. Even if you can't outsource in the moment, which we surely cannot right now, it's worth it to have those discussions and think like, if we were going to do it, why would we do it? How would we do it? 
when would we do it? Those kinds of things. And then just actually start to quantify some of those things to be like, okay, it takes this many hours, which means if I were to take this off my plate, we would have this many free hours. And what would you use it for? Would it be to add bandwidth and contribute to mental health? Or would it be to reallocate resources towards something else that you want to grow? And then you could say, all right, if I want to hire somebody, would they need the same amount of hours or would they be able to do it in less time because they're super specialized and this is what they do? Mm-hmm. And at what point in the production chain would this get to them? And when would I need it back? You know, you can start thinking about it in those tangible terms, I think. So it's definitely good to keep everything in-house as we've done for as long as possible in terms of like overhead and stuff. But it's also, mm-hmm. I think it's good to like game it out sometimes too and think like, yeah, this sort of ache that's been developing for a while, like that might be a real thing. I wonder what that means. Yeah. The reason I think this way about trajectory, because I, I think back to like when we first kind of started this and the, and the conversations we were having around like, you know, how how Dead and Mellow had to kind of like shift the business plan based on the pandemic happening mm-hmm. and like shifting to, okay, we've we've got to just have archived media instead of, you know, being able to tape live shows and stuff like that. Yep. And kind of like then the exhaustion of the pandemic set in and like, no one was really, not no one, but a lot of people just kind of like stopped promoting in the way that they had been. Yeah. And deplatformed is the wrong word. But like you and I and Dead and Mellow, based on like the kind of presence that we had on social mm-hmm. media prior to the pandemic, yep. once there were no shows to play, once there were like less things to promote, once there, you know, just stop posting shit. Like all of my, all of my Instagram posts from 2020 were just plants. <laughs> or just house plants. Yeah. Which is awesome, but it didn't get me in front of the ears of listeners, you know? Yeah. So I think there was just an exhaustion that set in. And because of that, like, we weren't really necessarily able to use our collective following to get more listeners to the podcast because we were all just like, fuck social media. I don't want this. Yeah. I'm starting to develop conspiracy theories about it. It's not good. But. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. So that part of it is exhausting to me. But like, had all things gone as planned, right? Like, yeah, the way that I would, what has been modeled for me by other people who have done similar things is like, okay, you're two kind of semi-public figures who like perform a lot and have a, you know, a, a public facing relationship with an audience. And then when you're going to start a podcast, you are using like those audiences to kind of like get them to listen and if they like what you do then you start a platform such as a patreon or such as a whatever like something like that to offer bonus content and to get more people engaged you know and and kind of use that to sort of build a community around the thing that you're that you're doing and this is what i've seen the liturgists do this is what a lot of other podcasts do and so once you are there, then you need more bonus content or then you need more video content or then you need more whatever. And because yeah. it's on a paid platform, you are able to hire somebody to do that work for you and create the extra bonus material. So there's a lot of overhead going into it in terms of time and energy. Mm. Um, but again, it was during the pandemic that we were starting. And so I've kind of always figured like, yeah, I got the time. Yeah. Um, and so I did for a while and now I just don't. So yeah. like the prospect of creating all the bonus content, I do it at a very, very slow pace. You know, I edit like YouTube clips and stuff like that, but we are like a year and a half behind on, on, on that. 
which is fine, whatever. Like we don't have a ton of YouTube followers. It's just kind of up there for posterity. But yeah, so I don't know. I feel like there was a time when the business model and the growth model made sense. And now we're at a time where it doesn't make sense. And so I don't know how to grow. Yeah. In this particular, on this particular platform. No, I mean, that makes sense though, too. Cause we, when we started off, like not only were our lives kind of different from what they are now, at least, but like the scene was too. So that yeah. the physical reality that our social media reality to whatever extent it existed was anchored to was profoundly different from what it is now. And I think the big thing that changed is it kind of dispersed a lot. It was a lot tighter back then. I mean, it was like we could do a podcast and say we got like 50 listeners. We could go then bump into those 50 people at a show at one time right? and talk to – like we could get real-time feedback, you know, and just stuff like that. Like they're all kind of important but sort of little things in and of themselves, but they add up Mm -hmm. and they become contributors to what you're – growth or business model would be. And and now, I mean, a couple of years on, not only are, are those people in the scene kind of dispersed and the the content has evolved that we're doing, uh, we're not playing out as much. We're definitely not doing as much like social media. People's lives have just become, you know, rooted in different things. Like we've, people mm-hmm. have gone to school, we've gotten new jobs, gotten new degrees, gotten new bands, like all sorts of things have changed. So I think it's like it's partially us figuring out how to update and how to round the next corner and also realizing like, yeah, that was a really intense change that everyone and everything went through in a pretty short amount of time. So the check-ins are almost like they need to be more frequent and more kind of exacting in some ways. But yeah, as far as how to grow, it's like it is that is a tricky one. Like, I mean, beginning with the end in mind is definitely going to be essential i think so like talking about trajectory and saying like what what do we want that point b to be now and has it changed from what it was when we first were talking on the phone about like we should start a podcast like yeah it's interesting to bring up beginning with the end in mind because that's something that we've never done yeah (laughs) we've always been at the mindset like this has no definitive end but what we know for sure is that within the first three months it'll be different than when we when we started well, you know what's funny, though, is we like, kind of did, though, temporarily do that. Like, when you and I talked on the phone, when did we start taping it? Like, the fall of... Summer what, 20? of 2020, yeah. Okay, so, like, the couple of months then leading into that, when we were sort of gaming out how we were going to do it, we definitely talked about, like, we're going to tape this thing for, like, six months and not tell anybody. Yeah. And we're just going to, like, archive these things and then launch it in, like, January or whenever we decided to do it. And I think in a way that is the same as beginning with the end in mind. It's not the ultimate end, but it was sort of a like, we had this little kernel of an idea and then we fleshed out what we wanted to call it, how we wanted to tape it, how long we wanted things to, like all the stuff that would go into a product. And then we timed out how long we were going to run that iteration of it. And then we we executed it. And when we came back to like having to actually tape content again, I remember us having some like really... We probably even taped these, but it was probably like a board meeting then, but having some discussions about like, so what do we need to change? And even just subjectively, what has changed? And one of the biggest things we hit on was we should start having more guests. Those were really fun when we had guests and we only did it like once or twice. Mm -hmm. So like adding things like that, like I think that wasn't an accident that we were able to just add like really concrete ingredients to our whole situation here. Mm Mm-hmm. 
I think it was partially because we created like kind of a bookend that went beyond even like a season and said like, instead of just this timeline, it's like, we're going to do this thing for this long, this many times, and then we're going to see what we got. And I feel like that was something we didn't intentionally do. Mm -hmm. But when I think back about that first year, especially, we were really pretty locked in about that. Yeah. If I could do that over again, just kind of seeing like how our broadcast schedule has has evolved from from the start and how our bonus content has evolved from the start and like all of the kind of like non-episode episodes that we put out. Mm-hmm. Well, it would make sense to me. Not not just if we had it all to do like over again, but even even now if we decide to like change things up a bit. Like I can see bonus episodes being archived for like a Patreon platform or some kind of paid platform. And then, as I've said before, I don't know if I've said it on mic, but as I've said it before to you, I am always in favor of, of free content and things coming out from behind the paywall eventually. And mm-hmm. so if during a season we released bonus content to like our close followers who pay us a couple bucks a month, whatever, then yeah. they would have access to that. And then that would give me the time between seasons while we are like doing interviews to go through the video recordings and 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 chop through some footage that's interesting to see um as well as compile bonus episodes so that like those would be ready to to go Mm. and then the content that we would release between seasons is not added content that we're struggling to come up with it's like okay now these come from out from behind the paywall now all the bonus episodes come out between seasons so that like Mm. there's still something weekly or bi-weekly that's coming out that's interesting to listen to um, and it's not a bunch of extra work. Like it's essentially work that we would have been doing anyway, but now the summer break is actually a summer break. Yeah. Because this has all been pre-archived. That makes sense. I like yeah. that. So like as a business model, that would have been the place to start. Yeah. It's sort of like while we're in like the, <laughs> the collective of people who are putting out pandemic era content, that would have been the time, I think. Yeah. I don't know if that would work now. Like I honestly have no idea if we have like an appropriate following to try to do that. But it would have been an interesting thing to do from the start. I agree. Yeah. It it's funny too cuz it seemed like the furthest thing back then from what we should have done. Yeah. And I remember us talking about it like abstractly and just kind of in passing like what if we did a Patreon? What if we tried to, you know, go that route and it just felt so premature. Yeah, cuz the thing about a Patreon is that you're going to put in a lot of work trying to develop bonus content for potentially three dollars a month <laughs> like yeah you know it might not be worth your time honestly yeah um, but then the thing about the thing about back then as well you know we were working on more creative projects back then at least for for a while so we would have aside from the podcast other creative projects to kind of funnel into that bonus content as well just kind of give people a glimpse and this is kind of what I mean some kind of platform where if you do something regularly and you do creative things on the side, give the people who have developed that relationship with you a chance to see what's going on behind the scenes. Yeah. And that process, I think, gives you a better glimpse into what's going on behind the scenes and gives you a better glimpse into like, what am I actually working on that I care about right now that I want to be releasing? And being able to keep tabs on your creative life that way is what I mean by like these things flow into each other. And that's in an ideal world as an artist that gives you a a different vantage point. If you're releasing that bonus content, 
to followers. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of what I what I miss and what I want. And I don't know how to establish that now at this point. I'm not saying it's like unsalvageable, <laughs> but yeah. there's something I think that is not necessarily missing from our programming, but yeah. is missing from how does this tie into any other aspects of my life? Mm-hmm. And aside from talking about things occasionally that I'm working on, it's not tying into anything else. Yeah. And that's what I'm missing just on a personal personal fulfillment level not even on like a professional aspirations level or as a how do i phrase this outside of being like a an aspiring professional with my creativity Mm -hmm. i also need like a personal amount of fulfillment with my creativity and know that it is going somewhere yeah that makes sense and it's a different kind of creativity than is deployed when i am editing the podcast and doing the scoring and 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 stuff like that so Mm. which is the minimal amount of creativity. And for a while, it was all I had. But yeah, now but at I'm that point, like, too, it was new. I mean, it was novel and, and creative because yeah. it hadn't been done. And it like, you know, you're kind of building this. Right. And so yeah. I'll go back to this, like, just real quick. I go back to, like, the interview with Grant Honey. And that was a fun episode, you know, because it was like, it, it delved into a lot of, like, band dynamics and, what the creative process was and it was something that was relevant for the time and it was something that like we had recorded an album during the pandemic which at the time was doing the impossible yeah <laughs> and it was a it was a, an expose of like how are we being creative during this time yeah so it was appropriate and then i look at like what what have i done since then that's a completed product and it's nothing yeah and part of i think part of the reason it's nothing is because a i spend most of my like editing time and creative time on podcast things and Mm. and b i don't have necessarily that like it's not just social reinforcement but again like the the things flowing through each other and and helping each other helping to be scaffolding for each other Mm. and yeah can you elaborate more on that too like the like in a modern sense like in a contemporary sense what would that look like from day to day like say our average month like when we're really when we're actively taping and maybe there's some residual editing going on from a previous arc or whatever, but like basically things are running smoothly and there's sort of fertile ground for that creative growth. Mm -hmm. It can intersect with this and interweave however it needs to. Like what does that look like in a practical, like actionable day to day kind of way? Even sort of abstract. Just kind of letting, letting the podcast be a window into our lives and not just what we're talking about. Yeah, would would be uh, to me a, a beneficial thing. Mm. There's not always going to be a lot going on, so like that, I don't want to put pressure on that part of it. Yeah, but I also think it would be beneficial to like allow more of what we're doing outside of this podcast to have a presence in the podcast, mm. and to kind of come back to like again, not not necessarily changing any of the format or any of like what we've been doing with guests or any of that stuff, but yeah just like allowing it to be mutable enough and moldable enough over this next summer that we can kind of form it into a new version of itself. Mm. That's not going to sound much different, but it will contain more inlets for creativity. So maybe it's kind of like a we kind of take a breath in a way and, and trust some of the different uh, the different identities that this show has taken. Because I, I think some of what you're describing to me sounds like including some of the things that we thought we had had already done and moved on from Mm -hmm. as well as trying to embrace new things but 
basically like looking back at some of the past seasons or past chapters or, or arcs just from a recording standpoint and thinking about like, oh yeah, that was a good balance that we struck or that was a really fun thread to tug on. Yeah. What if we could do that for a period of time or what if we could work that into our, like basically like create a format that's sturdy enough and mutable enough, like you said, that like we can kind of float between these different spaces as needed and it doesn't seem disruptive from the listener's standpoint. Mm -hmm. And that seems pretty attainable based on where we are now. It's just like, I have a sense that some of those things, if that's the route we were to take, some of those things are going to feel almost like trust falls. Yeah. Like they're going to feel like regressions or they're going to feel like just counterintuitive given that we've been focusing on growth in a truly linear way Mm -hmm. where it's like we go from you and I talking on the phone about how to do a podcast to talking about how to do this thing with guests to how to do it in more seasons and arcs. And we've always talked about it in this linear kind of additive way. Mm -hmm. But this conversation, if it were to happen, would, would have to be more more circular and more kind of like, it would be less comforting in a way, but it would be a growth yeah. in all directions. I don't see it being less comforting necessarily, aside from the fact that it's a change of, not in, in, not even a change of format, but like adding anything, expecting results is a little bit less comfortable. Well, and I mean less Always, comfortable but, in the sense that like growth wouldn't feel like progress away from point A. Okay. It would feel like, all right, point A is there in the middle of the circle. We're moving over to point B, which is somehow behind it, but we're no longer yeah. in... I know this sound, This is going to sound all woo-woo and, and like trippy, probably the way I'm trying to articulate this. I've been looking at graphs, like multidimensional graphs today, and that's where this is coming from, this image that I have in my head of how this would look. Yeah. But basically, like, yeah, we wouldn't be able to say, all right, like in January we were at point A, February we were at point B, we've, we've moved in a straight line towards this goal that we have in mind. It's more like being able to kind of take that leap of faith back to like November and think, all right, we want to cherry pick this thing out that was really cool and let's figure out how to bring that up to date. But we can discard all the other shit. It's like we're going to just have to be so much more active about that growth as opposed to just, you know, putting things in place and checking in with them again in a few months. Yeah. Which to me, it's less comforting at first just because you don't, you don't have like a format to trust anymore quite the same way that you do when you just make a five-year plan or something and you say, all right, like, at least time is held constant. Mm-hmm. If everything else goes to shit, at least we're still moving temporarily away from where we started. Right. And this is, it would just be interesting because there are so many things like that that it sounds like, like I said, we could go back to the very first months of taping and, and grab something from that and say, all right, the rest of it we didn't really like. And then something from the community arc and say, all right, we, we kind of liked this. What if we tried this again, but we update it, you know? And mm-hmm. There's a lot more interpersonal trust there. There's a lot more trust in like, our ideas being <laughs> half decent and our conversational chops being there and time management, you know, everything. It's like, I don't think that this approach would have worked back when we were starting out. It would have just been disorganization, but yeah, now there, we have enough yeah. to play with. For one thing, there would have been nothing to 80, 20, mm-hmm. you know, you need data for that to happen. So, yeah. But I mean, again, that's not really exactly what I'm talking about. I think, I think more than anything, like I need some time to get things in order, you know, Mm. like I need time, like, okay, for example, before I moved out of the studio, I did three or four different recording sessions, production sessions, like kind of spread out over many days. But the main one was with Ryan Herrick, 
And that's like the more in-depth one um, that we collaborated on. And so like, that's still not done. It's been a year and a half. And mm. I'm still like kind of passively working on that because I par- partially I don't have a, like a dedicated creative space to work in. And that's been difficult. Mm. But also, I just don't have enough time to, to edit and do all the mixing and everything. So anyway, yeah, that aside, like when that finally comes out, I would envision us dedicating another episode to that and either like you could give the album a listen and we could talk about it or we could have we could ask Ian to do interview Ian loves interviewing music people so you know we could set up another one of those kinds of things mm-hmm. so it, it would make sense to me that like as creative projects come to fruition they find a place in an episode where we can like talk about what we worked on in depth we can talk about like what the interpersonal dynamics were between two collaborators we can talk about you know any anything like that and so a project that happens outside of this podcast finds its place within the podcast and like then you kind of use it to score and then you know maybe it becomes part of the scoring repertoire for future episodes as well part of like the little instrumental sections that we do Mm. but so like to use a platform like this for things like that you know we're always talking about art anyway we're always yeah. talking about creativity. We're always talking about music and books and everything anyway. We just don't talk about our own. Yeah. And and for me, like, again, I don't mean this in like a careerist, like I need more exposure kind of way, but I need the things that I create to feed into something. Yeah. No, that makes sense. Because I'm not releasing much of anything. So like, but having conversations about it and holding myself accountable in that way. And I think the accountability isn't there for me with this. Cause mm-hmm. like every once in a while, yeah, I'll, I'll record a new instrumental or I'll be working on a new song or I'll be going through an old demo and like do a little, like modernizing it a little bit and mm-hmm. use that for scoring. Sure. Occasionally I'll do that, but I'm never like putting anything on the line yeah. anymore. Like, because this show doesn't demand my artistic work. Mm-hmm. So it keeps me less accountable to the artistic work and more accountable to the completion of episodes. Yeah. And that I think is, I, I might just be rephrasing something that I've already said, but to me, that's, that's something that's missing is, you know, it doesn't, it doesn't allow for personal growth in that way or it does, but it just, I haven't, had that in mind enough and I don't think we've talked about that that side of it enough um again largely because like we I don't want to say we quit being artists but we both became much less fueled by the kind of thing that I'm talking about yeah absolutely during the pandemic so the accountability that comes with having a public platform and announcing that you're working on shit that's super beneficial yeah and no, it makes it real. I, I mean, as yeah. soon as you say it on mic, it's like, it's a real thing. No one even has to hear it. You've just... Yeah. Now and, it exists. And I don't want that accountability through social media because yeah. that doesn't work for me. But if it's something that I'm investing a lot of time and energy in already, I might as well make it something that benefits me in that way and could potentially benefit you in that way as well. I don't know. You haven't really shared your, your thoughts <laughs> here on like where you're at creatively. Well, that's a weird thing that's happened throughout all of this too, that for me is like, I've grown almost away from those parts of myself temporarily, I think. Yeah. But it's always pretty much since the very beginning of COVID, it's felt like this evolution in the sense that there's this part of myself that I've always really consciously tried to keep small. 
right. because I didn't feel like it fit into the story of me that made sense to me. Of the artist that you wanted to be. Yeah. And a lot of that was like, you know, just informed by my idols and my favorite records and all that kind of shit growing yeah. up that like, you just take it in and you try to emulate or whatever. And COVID pinned me down and forced me to acknowledge those parts of myself and to use them to survive basically. Cause I remember that first weekend thinking I'm going to lose my mind if yeah. I don't have a thing. So what the hell is that thing going to be? And I found a whole bunch of different things. And we talked about the phase where I was trying to make like mozzarella sticks and stuff from scratch <laughs> started a few grease fires. <laughs> yeah. There's mountain biking, there's all these different things. Um, school, like all this stuff that like some of them stuck, some of them didn't. I went head over heels into all of them and some of them I'm still doing. And it's, it's shown me kind of in this meta way that like all of these threads are way closer together than I thought they were. And none of these things are actually like deviations from this path Mm-hmm. Like I remember the, a professor that I have who finally got me to actually understand what science is, okay. which sounds dumb. <laughs> and, and I know how that sounds, but like he just had this way. He's really into the philosophy of science as well as science itself and like experimentation and yeah. research. And he would just explain every so often, kind of like off the cuff, like what the scientific method actually is for or like what the process of just considering science as a way of operationalizing curiosity can mean in the context of your own life. He just had this way of putting it. And as soon as I started to understand that, it like made the rest of this stuff kind of make sense mm-hmm. in the sort of backdated way that I was hoping some of these things would make sense where like I realized like, oh, it's the exact same thing for me as writing a song or just people watching. Mm-hmm. And I realized like, yeah, when I'm like busking and I'm standing there and I'm like playing a song that I wrote, but I'm also watching people's dynamics as they come home from work and I'm watching those people just have an end to a first date and like, you know, all these little things. And I'm like, that was like this moment where I realized all these things physically came together. But it's just been this super weird process creatively because I've started to find that what I thought was like escapism ended up actually just being me venturing further into these parts of myself and what I thought were authentic parts of myself, I realized were just cop-outs or masks that I was putting on to, again, make my narrative feel a little bit more coherent to me. Mm-hmm. Like, just, it's been this crazy period of growth and a lot of it's felt good, a lot of it's felt bad, but it's shown me that, like, basically I don't have to fear it yeah. the way that I thought I did. So it has been probably in the creative sense that I would have referred to three years ago meaning like output of songs and sessions that I'm actively working on and bands that I'm playing in or whatever. This has been the dullest period of my life. <laughs> yeah. Like not, not even just dull in the sense that it's like boring, but just dull. Like I have been a blunt instrument, like nothing, nothing is happening, but it's been this expansion in other directions. And I can see how all of these things come together when the feeling is there. Mm-hmm. Not when I like try to, hammer it intellectually into the right shape but just now that I can see like oh there's this gut feeling that's been there through all of this stuff yeah and as soon as that is back in alignment with all of these things there's going to be some creativity like I used to know but it's going to have all of this other stuff in the foundation now Mm. so I don't know it's a super roundabout way of saying I haven't done shit (laughs) but I'm okay with that (laughs) But I've got a lot of other things that I'm just as excited about right now as I was about the last song that I wrote or right. the last show that I played or whatever. Yeah. And I don't know. But so one thing that kind of comes to mind though is like, what if we did a um, like a show and tell 
mm. like show the class kind of thing. Like say we each get like one a month. Okay. And I'm just like, I'm just throwing shit at the wall right now, but we can obviously hammer this into something if it's worth a shit. But say like, no matter what arc we're doing, twice a month we do this kind of an episode. One is a me episode, one's a you episode mm-hmm. in terms of who's leading. And we just share whatever we've been doing. And so yeah. like, if you've been working on an album and you're like, I want to hold myself accountable. I want to tell the world about it. Or, you know, I recently sent this to you, Matt, like, what do you think about that? We can talk about it, whatever. Or if I'm like super into some rabbit hole subject of, you know, some books or studies or something that I'm interacting with. Yeah. And that's, what's capturing my heart that month. I have to actually pull that together into a coherent train of thought. You know, I can't like say, Oh, the brain's really cool. It's like, I have to actually sit down and explain it to somebody who hasn't been reading those studies for the last three weeks yeah, and say, okay, like, so here's what I've got from it. What do you think? And we would sort of accomplish the same thing, but it wouldn't matter what format we're, we're using or where we're pulling from necessarily. Right. It would just be like, what are you pumped about right now? You've got 30 minutes. Yeah. Maybe it's something that we could use to hold space for that and then kind of see over time, is this space something that could be better if it were wider or is this, scratching the itch for now or is this necessary at all well i think talking about the accountability thing in that sense um i only listen to like three different podcasts really probably the one that i listen to the most is is making it and it's about like the the youtube maker community yeah which david david picciuto was one of the hosts they start every episode by just kind of going around the table, it's three hosts, and they talk about what they're working on. Now, this might be just like a household project that they're doing and like like a DIY household project that they're trying to learn how to do, or it yeah. might be what they're working on for their YouTube channel. More often than not, it's YouTube-related. <laughs> and it could very easily also be like, you know, this is something that I'm working on now. It will be put on the back burner eventually because it'll take a while to, you know, first do the project, then edit the video of the project, then put it out. And yeah. so, like, but it, as an accountability tool, it works because, like, they're always talking about it and they're going to get feedback and they're going to be at, like, comments, like, on whatever platform saying, like, oh, I can't wait to see that thing when it comes out. And so, like, they give themselves the opportunity to talk about what they're working on mm-hmm. and um, open the window into that part of their lives and, like, engage with each other about it. And sometimes they'll brainstorm, like, I'm stuck on this part of the project. What can I do? And then they'll give each other feedback and stuff like that. That's cool. Yeah. So they start every episode like that, and then they kind of go into a topic, and then they give, like, recommendations at the end for, like, other other YouTubers or other books that they've been reading or, or whatever. So mm-hmm. they their format has always been that, and it's it's never changed. And, like... Again, that's something where they're talking about real life skills and, and real life like quandaries and mm-hmm. kind of like working through problem solving stuff on the podcast. The podcast becomes a way for them to talk about what they've they're working on for their YouTube channel, which is what they do for a living. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's promotional in a sense, but it's also practical. Yeah. And I've always really liked that about their format. It's like it's practical, it's philosophical, it's promotional, it's all of the things. And it, it allows like all those parts of their lives to like to flow into each other and all kind of like intersect. Oh, um, I, like I guess that. intersect is a better word than flow into each other. So I've been <laughs> using that the whole time. But it, it, it acts as a sort of intersection. And it's a place where they can answer fan questions. It's a place where they can, you know, promote other people. It becomes mm-hmm. all of those all of those things, like everything that you want when you have sort of a public facing facing platform, 
you know, yeah. promote yourself, promote others, help out the community, and also kind of like give little sneak peeks and ask for tips and go into brainstorming stuff. Yeah. So I love that show, like for all of those reasons. It's just, it's a perfect intersection of a lot of different things that I like. Yeah. And so like in that sense, no, it absolutely does not have to be like a creative project that we're plugging all of the time. And I think we spend a decent amount of time talking to each other on mic about what our personal, what we're going through in our personal lives or our like just, you know, our, our intellectual interests where those are at right now. And yeah, you know, we spend a decent amount of time on that. But I think you're right that dedicating an amount of time to that per month would be beneficial. Well, and it's something I didn't even think to put this kind of a point on until you brought it up tonight. But like, you're right. We have talked about all of those things on mic frequently, but we've also never consciously identified with them in a way. Yeah. Like, yeah. Like we might talk about things that are going on in our lives or creative projects or intellectual pursuits or whatever as those things. But we've never sort of brought it to the table as like, here's what I'm stuck on, or here's what I'm pumped up about, or mm-hmm. here's what I'm recording, you know. And I mean, we, not to say we never do that, but we, that isn't usually the way that those things are brought up. I think at least of late. And yeah, it would be interesting to see what would happen if if we did kind of just open up that space where it's like, like who were we talking? Was this a like a liturgist thing where we were tossing around the idea of like, I think I suggested like a book club once. And we got a resounding, what if you don't read? And then <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. I said, well, how about just a cool shit club? Like just a cool, you drove yeah. by a billboard and you saw a, a quote that grabbed you and you pulled over and wrote it down or you saw a TV show that really resonated. Like no one drifts through their life so passively that absolutely nothing makes an impression on them. Right. Like you liked the color of the floor of the waiting room you were in the other day. Like whatever, just yeah. what the hell entered your mind in the last two weeks? But, you know, maybe some version of something like that where, like, we just have to not necessarily do different things or experience different things, but we just have to sort of say, all right, like, there's going to be this point this month where I have to come up and, and, like, bring what I've been excited about to the table. I wonder Mm -hmm. what that means. Mm -hmm. And that's end of the prompt, you know? Mm. And then it can be whatever it needs to be for as long as it needs to be that formless. Yeah. And then we can just kind of see where that goes. Like that could launch an entirely new arc. That could be totally fine as it is. Um, I mean, I like the idea of doing it at the top of an episode too. Like that is kind of cool. Yeah. It's even something we could do. Did we ever actually end up going forward with the, like starting with thought experiments? Um, Thought experiments have more become bonus episodes when we do them. Okay. I'm just curious if this ever made it to uh, air. The idea, cause I don't know if like basically anyone listening would know what in the hell I'm talking about, but at one <laughs> point we had talked about like thought experiments are really fun. What if as kind of like an icebreaker, which sounds insane now, but yeah. what if like as an icebreaker, we just dropped a huge thought experiment that's fun to us at some moment and we just try to wrestle it to the ground with the guests and everybody bonds and then we're ready to talk about the topic. Yeah. And what we found <laughs> in practice was they're actually fairly intimidating ways to start a conversation with a stranger. It depends on the stranger. Sometimes. Yeah, it definitely <laughs> works when it works, but as a general, like, this is an icebreaker kind of thing, it's a risk. You know? I think we only did it with one stranger, though. And we might have done one or, one or two others. I can't remember uh, at the moment. But regardless, like, if, if we started with something like a what have you been up to kind of a thing, but yeah. instead of just like, what's going on today? 
and more like a, an abridged version of something like this. Mm-hmm. Or like you had mentioned, um, like the making it guys do. Like that could be kind of interesting too, because we could very yeah. easily work that into a pitch email when we're bringing somebody on. Be like, hey, just sort of side note, like think about anything you're plugging, anything you're excited about, anything you've eaten recently that you really like, like whatever. Cleaned right. your apartment, you're pumped about it, whatever. And let's just talk for like five minutes about you and that thing and then get into it. And that might be kind of an, even a neat way to just get to know people when we sort of log on and we realize we've never spoken to this person before. You know? <laughs> right. No, I really, I liked the idea of the thought experiments at first. They are intimidating and they do take usually a solid like 20, 25 minutes to, yeah. to work through. And then, yeah, I mean, there's a hesitancy there because I don't want to give myself too much to edit yeah. on, on, many occasions within the past year we've found ourselves at the end of a three plus hour recording session yeah and i've just been like good god (laughs) like it can be chopped up and it can be used as multiple episodes and and whatever i'm not gonna i'm gonna be resourceful about this but like it it is a lot you know Mm -hmm. especially just when dealing with large files yeah, that takes time. They take longer to load. They take longer to render. So, mm-hmm. in trying to save myself time, I, <laughs> I'd like to avoid that in the future. Yeah, that's um, fair. But sometimes it's hard to avoid. You know, sometimes it's either a really interesting conversation, or you're, or sometimes you end up in the middle of a three-hour conversation and wondering, like, how do I get this back on track? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and then you spend a lot of time like. It's like it's like when you're out somewhere and you're tired and you know you should say, say goodbye, but you're trying to salvage the night. <laughs> you're like, <laughs> yeah, this didn't go the way that I wanted it to go, and now I'm kind of depressed and I should just go home, but I'm not going to give up that easily. And then you stay too long, and it's like the least productive thing you can do. But yeah, these are the woes of interviewers. <laughs> <laughs> well, we also like we we have not traditionally gone into things with more than like an outline, so that's also got to be true, or like a handful of questions written down. Yeah, like we might have a general sense of where we want it to go, what we want to get from it, and stuff. But like, yeah, you can be surprised sometimes, especially I think when it's something where like we might be getting somebody on who's who creates content or creates creative material or is a conversationalist or a thinker or whatever, but the thing that we're talking to them about isn't necessarily directly aligned with what they create. Yeah. It might be an interest or something, but it's not like we're having an author on for however long to talk about their subject matter or their book or whatever. Like, I think sometimes it can be surprising to be like, wow, we blew through those questions. Jesus, we got to fill some time. Or like the other way where we're like, holy hell, we only made it through one question. We've been talking for an hour and a half. Right. We got to rethink some stuff. So I think that can be, to me, not having edited this, obviously, like I'm just as like a interviewer or a participant in those conversations, it feels like it can be a double-edged sword where it's a huge advantage when it's an advantage. And it is potentially nightmare fuel when it's not. Yeah. I was going to say, I would also go as far as to say that it is off-putting when you're trying to have a conversation with somebody about like, I don't know, some sort of philosophical topic or something that is not their art. Mm. And then they keep talking about their art, even though it's not like what you're talking like it becomes a little yeah. too self-promotion-y. It seems really beneficial to create a pocket for that. Yeah. And just like if there's going to be promotion, this is the part of the show where we talk about what we're working on or what we want to promote or, or something like that. So like there's making space for that and allowing the rest of the taping to be 
about what it needs to be about is is a good idea. Mm. It also allows that to be hearkened back to. Yeah, and I was going to say, or even creating a, sec- a separate episode for that kind of thing, you know. Mm. No, I mean, I like the general idea of this, though. Like, I think this is something we could do if we can do it in a way that isn't going to just demand more resources yeah. and time. Yeah. Like, if this could fit seamlessly into our existing format and just basically, like, move some time or some space around or whatever. Mm-hmm it could be really interesting to just see what comes out. I, and I know personally I would benefit from, from that accountability and from that, that brief platform for some of these things. Cause I don't know. I find that all the time. Like I'll get so pumped about something or I'll get so kind of into my own head about something because I don't generally have people to talk to about these things on a day to day basis. I'll come onto this thing and I'll just start splattering the airwaves with <laughs> just impressions and whatever made sense in my head. But as soon as it's coming out, I'm like, that's bullshit. There's no way that makes any goddamn sense. And it would be cool to have sort of a contained little space or a confined little space where I could say like, yeah, all right, I have to come into this. I have to have my shit together about this thing that I'm into. Am I really into it? Mm-hmm. First of all. And if I am, what does that mean? You know, just like that would be a nice little exercise to have periodically to separate the wheat from the chaff. And sure, I would, yeah, I would definitely, I would enjoy it. I would benefit from it. And it would just be cool to see how we both play off of each other over time mm-hmm. with something like that. And again, with a guest too, it'd be neat because I think it would be, that would be a bonding thing. Yeah. Without feeling like a high pressure thing. Yeah, exactly. And another thing that I would say, and maybe we can end on this. Like, I've seen you know a few people struggle with this uh, since the pandemic. Um, primarily, performers who have had a podcast ahead of time or had some kind of public platform ahead of time that intersected with their performances and with their work. And during the pandemic, not being able to perform anymore gives you a, less of a reach, less of a you know whatever. Podcast kind of had it easy. Because you wanted to yeah. kind of just like be at home, <laughs> avoid the rest, the outside world, put on headphones, be by yourself. Yeah. Um, There's a benefit to that, I think. But you know, and and uh, so I've watched the liturgists become a certain thing as they've stopped doing live events and stopped being about like gunger performances and and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, I watched Pete Holmes, you know, add an additional weekly show with, that he just does with his wife, and then. He didn't need to grow any more than that, but then he started doing YouTube episodes as well, like taping the podcast, put it on, putting it on YouTube. So those are just two examples, but I've seen like a few different examples of how people manage. Like the world has changed, and my circumstances have changed, and this is how we are going to try to manage growth. Yeah, based on what I'm experiencing and like how things have changed, you know, business wise, mm. time wise, whatever it is. And there's no yeah. right way. It may kind of seem like it sometimes where, you know, what do we need to do to grow? Well, clearly we need to create more content, more video content, more reels for Instagram. Maybe we need to do more live streams. Maybe we need to like, whatever it is. There's no one right way. Um, Mm. And so I'm not even necessarily looking at like one model that I've seen work and trying to duplicate that. But there are elements of a few different models that I have seen work or that in my opinion have worked that I would like to try out. So yeah, that's kind of really what we still have to keep in mind is that like beginning with the end in mind is never going to be about a definitive end, 
but it Mm -hmm. does kind of have to be at this point, at least for me, this needs to be more fulfilling than just having a good conversation, which it always is. Yeah. Or most of the time. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) Conversationally, this is always a fun thing. But again, I, I would go back to the accountability thing. I would go back to the, I don't always care about mental health. Mm-hmm. Like as a conceptual conversation, you know? Yeah. I don't always care about philosophy as much as I need to, to get really deep into a conversation that way. I'm all over the place Yeah, with my interests and so are you. And I think like bringing that element into it gives us less focus and might lose us listenership. But again, I don't feel like making creative decisions based on listener response. No, and we're in a good position to be able to try stuff like that. Like, we don't have a huge listener base, it's just, which isn't to say that we can treat our current one like shit or something, but we, like, I think we can take advantage of the fact that there are fewer degrees of separation between us and our listeners mm-hmm. to try stuff. Yeah. Because this is the time to try stuff. And as long as we really own it and we really make it an honest try, we don't just start slacking off and then pretending that that's artistic integrity or something like that. Mm-hmm. Because I think that's a trap. Like, people can just put out shitty work and then call it punk. And it's like, that's not... (laughs) There can be punk, but and it can be shitty, but doing shitty work isn't necessarily punk. Like, that's its own thing. I don't think we're going to necessarily ever fall victim to that. But there's a nice tightrope to walk if you're putting out good, honest work and you own it, at least at the time. But it's also taking a little bit of the risk. Then, yeah, you might lose some listeners, but also... They're going to be lost for valid reasons. They're not going to be lost because you just dropped the ball. Mm-hmm. You know, I think that's a tremendous liberty that we have at this stage of our growth. And if we don't take advantage of it, then we're, we're leaving a lot on the table. <laughs> <laughs>